Good day, everyone. Hope you're all taking the steps necessary to keep yourself and others safe. It's wonderful that the Lord has provided us the technology, people, and resources for us to continue meeting together online as Elam family. I'm thankful for our pastoral team, staff, volunteers, and everyone at Elam for stepping in to continue praying, providing, and supporting each other and the community during this time. This Sunday is Palm Sunday. It's the Sunday before Easter when Jesus entered into Jerusalem as Savior and King. When Jesus rode on a donkey into the town of Jerusalem, a large crowd gathered and laid palm branches and cloaks across the road. Multitudes of people shouted, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Hosanna means save now. Last week we looked at John the Baptist, the person who was sent by God to prepare the way for Jesus Christ. This week we're going to briefly look at Isaiah. I'm going to be going through uh, some questions and providing answers for them. I encourage you to further think through these questions with your family and create your own and find answers for them from the Bible. Before we begin, let's say a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for this time. Thank you, O oh God, for keeping us. Thank you for your protection, mercy, and grace. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for strength. Thank you for healing. Lord, as we listen to your word, I pray that it would come forth with anointing, with power, and deep conviction. May it bring encouragement, strength, healing, especially during this time as we look to you, our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. So let us begin with the first question. Is there a connection between Isaiah and John the Baptist? The answer is yes. In Isaiah 40, verse 3, we read, A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. How do we know that this is about John the Baptist? Because in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they introduce John the Baptist by quoting these very same words from the book of Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, it reads, this is, who was, this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. In Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, it reads, the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Luke chapter 3 verse 4, it says, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And John chapter 1 verse 23, it reads, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. Thus we can see, that the coming of John the Baptist was a fulfillment of what was spoken and written down by Isaiah. So who was Isaiah? He was an Israelite who lived 700 years before the birth of John and Jesus. He lived in Jerusalem in Judah. He was the son of Amos and had a noble and devout upbringing. His name means the Lord saves. He was married and had at least two sons. The eldest was named Shair Jashub, meaning a remnant shall return. And the youngest, Maher Shalal Hashbaz, meaning swift to plunder and quick to spoil. Their names announced hope and warning to the people of Israel. 
Isaiah had a respectable profession as a scribe in the palace of King Uzziah. Next question. How did Isaiah know about the events in the future? How did Isaiah know about the events in the future? Isaiah was a person just like you and I, and like many of us, had a family of his own and a respectful, respectable job. But at a certain point in his life, God called him out to be his spokesperson, a prophet of God. This happened during the year of King Uzziah, when he died, approximately 740 BC. We read of Isaiah's call and commission in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 8, and I'll read that quickly. It's from the NLT version. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am. Send me. In the presence of a holy God, Isaiah immediately realized he was unholy and unfit to be in God's presence or fit for any kind of service. He recognized that he was unclean and lived among people who were unclean. It's interesting to note that he mentions the lips that are unclean or filthy. In Matthew 15, we read Jesus teaching about what makes a person unclean, and he quotes from Isaiah 23. 13. Let's read Matthew 15, 7 to 11. You hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth that is what defiles them. In a time when moral and spiritual decay had peaked, Isaiah was exposed to the holiness of God. Hence he cried out, I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. But God reached out to cleanse and forgive Isaiah and called him out to be his mouthpiece. Isaiah's encounter with God completely changed him. He completely submitted to God's call on his life, knowing fully well that the hardships and rejections he would have to face as a result of his decision. And he says, here I am, send me. Thus God began to reveal his plan for the nations and for the nation of Israel and gave him a revelation of events to happen in the future, including the coming of the Messiah, how he would come, what he would do, how he would die, 
and that he will come back again to establish a new heaven and earth. This session does not permit us to look at all the passages that pertain to Jesus Christ. However, when you read Isaiah, keep your eyes and hearts open to see how God speaks through Isaiah about Jesus Christ. Let's look at the next question. What did Isaiah do with the revelations and messages from God? What did Isaiah do with the revelations and messages he received from God? Isaiah lived during the reign of four kings. King Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. He was killed during the reign of Manasseh. The prophet's role was to speak for God, confront the people and leaders with God's commands and promises. God had told Isaiah that the people would not listen, but he was to speak and write his message anyway. He continued to faithfully speak and write God's messages for 40 years, although no one paid attention or turned from their wicked ways. Ultimately, the judgment foretold by God through Isaiah came upon Judah, and Babylon invaded and took the people of Judah captive around 586 B.C. But with this message of judgment, there was also the message of hope and restoration. Isaiah predicts the restoration of the people of Judah from captivity in Babylon in Isaiah chapter 40, 41 and 42. God would raise up Cyrus the Persian, who would conquer Babylon in 539 and allow the Jews to return home to Jerusalem. And this happened in 538, 537 B.C. The book of Isaiah in our English Bible is divided into 66 chapters. Chapters 1 to 39 primarily deals with sin and judgment. Chapters 40 to 66 primarily addresses comfort, hope, and forgiveness. It is in these chapters that Isaiah also gives a detailed account of the coming of the Messiah, both as a suffering servant and a sovereign Lord. So Isaiah spoke the revelations and messages he received from God. He not only spoke them boldly, but he also wrote them down. Next question, did Isaiah during his time realize the full extent and impact of his prophecies years or centuries before they came to pass? Did Isaiah during his time realize the full extent and impact of his prophecies years or centuries before they came to pass? Probably not. It's unknown if Isaiah truly comprehended the fact that the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 5, which I'll read, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That the person mentioned in Isaiah 53 5 was the same person he witnessed on the throne in Isaiah 6, verse 5, his call and commission, which reads, Woe to me, I cried, I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Or if the suffering servant mentioned in Isaiah 53 is the same person mentioned in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, which reads, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, 
there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. I wonder if Isaiah knew that connection. We who are in this generation can appreciate these passages and see the connection better as the prophecy regarding the first coming of Jesus as a suffering servant has been fulfilled. Both the Old Testament and New Testament helps us fully appreciate the prophecies and their fulfillment. Now we are waiting for a second coming as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Although Isaiah may not have fully understood the extent of or impact of his prophecies, and no one listened or repented, he continued to faithfully proclaim and record with great accuracy and consistency the messages he received from God. So what can we learn from the life of Isaiah? So the question is, what can we learn from the life of Isaiah for us today? There are many themes that come through the book of Isaiah, many themes. But I'd like to focus on just one. Holiness is of utmost importance to God. Holiness is of utmost importance to God. Isaiah had to be cleansed and forgiven by God. Isaiah realized that despite all the religious practices, rules and regulations he had followed, he still fell short of God's standard for holiness. God took the step to cleanse and forgive him. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 7, it reads, He touched my lips with it and said, See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. If we need to be holy in God's sight, we need to receive his provision and meet his requirements for cleansing and cure from our sins. We need to come to God through the blood of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness and cleansing of our sins and to be set apart for God. Isaiah 64, 6 reads, All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. What it says is all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. There is nothing we can do to become holy before God. We have to come to God on His terms. Our religious rituals, praise and worship with our lips, doing good deeds will not make us holy. Those works will only have meaning when we first realize our sinfulness in the presence of God's holiness and come to Him for cleansing and forgiveness daily through his son, Jesus Christ. In Matthew 15, 18 to 20, Jesus lists a few things that make a person unclean. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, it reads, and these defile them. What are they? For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, these are what defile a person. Let's look at the next question. What steps can we take to keep us from being infected with sin? 
we know that holiness is of utmost importance to God. That is one of the themes that comes through the book of Isaiah. Like I said, there are other themes, but that's something that you may want to read and find out for yourself what other themes are there in the book of Isaiah. But for today's session, we're going to just look at holiness, and we've looked at that, and how holiness is important, and we need to come to terms with the fact that God demands holiness, and we need to come to God with His standard, to follow His standard, His requirement, His provision through Jesus Christ, and we need to do this daily. So the question was, what steps can we take to keep us from being infected with sin? We as a nation and as people around the world, we are dealing with COVID-19, a virus that is spreading, infecting, and killing people. Health organizations have put in place provisions and strict requirements to follow to minimize the risk of infection and spread. If we have to stay uninfected, we have to follow their provisions and not our own. Similarly, if we have to be holy and cleansed from sin, we have to follow the provision and requirements God has set in place, His Son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to list two steps that is applicable from COVID-19 pandemic that is applicable to our Christian walk. First step, regularly wash away your sins. Regularly wash away your sins. Isaiah 1, 16 to 18 reads, Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. In 1 John 1, Chapter 1, verse 7, it reads, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. So the first point is regularly wash away our sins. Second, distance yourself from the source of sin. Distance yourself from the source of sin. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 21 and 22. If you stay away from sin, you will be like one of these dishes made of purest gold, the very best in the house, so that Christ himself can use you for his utmost purpose. Run from anything that gives you the evil thoughts that young men often have, but stay close to anything that makes you want to do right. So point number two is distance yourself from anything that causes you to sin. Distance yourself from the source of sin. So we looked at two steps that we can take to keep ourselves from sin. First one, regularly wash away our sins and to distance ourselves from the source of sin. Similarly, see if you and your family can find other steps to apply in our Christian walk, that we may be holy before our God. Think, talk, act. God bless you all.